As many of us know and experience, both personally and professionally, the American healthcare system is fraught with complexity and financial opaqueness. Fortunately, there are passionate and determined leaders in our community working tirelessly to solve these systemic issues we face as a nation. In this episode, we are joined by Joseph Schneier, CEO of Trusty Care, to discuss his team's mission to improve older adults' financial and health outcomes and make sure no American goes through bankruptcy because of healthcare costs. I look forward to having you join us for this meaningful and important conversation as Joseph shares with us his long journey of working to solve complex social issues, why he started Trusty Care, and how you can get involved. You ready? Let's do this. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast and for being with us. Hey, it's great to be here. Well, I am so excited to spend time with you today as I'm a huge fan of your work and passion to improve the health of our communities across the nation via tech-enabled solutions. But before we dive into your important work and storied career, Joe, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas and to interact with the global ecosystem. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Joe, it's almost time to learn how you are making sure no retiree goes through bankruptcy because of out-of-pocket healthcare costs. But first, I'm going to randomly select a question so we can get to know you personally. Let's see what it comes up with. Ooh, now this is an important question right now given that we're in quarantine and on lockdown with the pandemic, where is your favorite place on earth and why? Well, I can tell you my favorite place on earth right now is definitely not my bedroom, which is where I'm spending most of my time. But my favorite place that I've been to was Botswana. I went there as a teenager and I think it is the most beautiful place on earth. I've been to about 40, 50 different countries, but it is just a beautiful place. And for many reasons, but I think the way that they've sustained the wildlife there is incredible. And I think it gave me an awe of the universe and nature at an early age to have gone there. That's definitely my favorite place. Well, Joe, define wildlife for me. What did you see over there? Because I'm sure it's a lot different than where I live in Colorado. It is absolutely different than Colorado. We spent about three months camping in the Kalahari and so we saw everything from lions to giraffes to elephants, just anything that you can think you could see on a safari, except for this was a, this is a very low-key safari. It was this, the kind of sky that seemed to stretch forever, just really beautiful. And I hope it has remained so. I haven't been there since, well, mid-90s, early 90s, actually. It made a mark on my life. That is so cool. I want to get there so badly, that area of the world. Everybody that goes says it leaves such an impression on them, which, of course, sounds like it did for you as well. So, Joe, thank you for sharing that. 
And I know, I'm sure you're the same. I cannot wait to get out of my house and to get on the road again and to go see more of the amazing world that is out there. So hopefully we can get through this pandemic soon enough to get back out on the road. Well, and speaking about being on the road, it's where I met you a number of years ago at the Startup Health Festival in San Francisco. And I was just so taken back by your presentation, your keynote address, and have been a big fan of yours ever since. The work that you are involved with, your passion and your dedication to move the health of our communities across the nation forward for so many is so inspiring. But obviously, Joe, it didn't just happen overnight. There's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of work along the way. Can you take us back a bit, Joe? I know you've had multiple exits. We'll talk about that. But take us back to your storied career and how you got to where you are today with Trusty Care, and then we'll dive into there. But take us back on that journey. Yeah, my journey in startup began about 20 years ago. I was living in Israel, and at the time, I had been working in the human rights field, in the field of human trafficking. And at one point, I was sitting across the desk from a young woman who had been trafficked into Israel and was talking to her. And I thought to myself, instead of working on the human rights sort of at the end state where this problem has already occurred, was there a way that I could provide social impact in the world by trying to solve problems before they began? That was really the transition point for me moving into the startup space. I went in studied computer science and design and started my first startup in Israel. It was a foreign language translation company and then moved back to the States in 2003 and quickly joined up into with a co-founder of mine in the educational technology space. That was sort of the transition from Israel into the U.S. into the education space, which seems like, okay, from education, how would you have gotten to healthcare? But we built out two different companies that we ended up selling. The core thing that we were working on in each of those educational companies was how do you get somebody to believe that they could learn something quickly and to change a behavior? So that was really the core sort of IP was all around looking at different behavioral change aspects of education. And so I got recruited by these behavioral research scientists to see if we could productize their research in the healthcare space. So my transition into healthcare was a little bit nonlinear and not the traditional path, but that time working with those behavioral research scientists gave me this luxury that a lot of startup founders don't have to really look at what could work with patients. So we did a lot of work around HIV, medication adherence, addiction, and a whole bunch of different really interesting projects, even an Ebola pandemic response. And I, so that was my deep dive into the healthcare space. And I think the commonality between those two spaces is that they are way more complex than people realize. They have deep long-term effects on society when we're not improving them, but they require a fine attention to both the tiniest little details and understanding how the pipelines work, and also to be able to remember that there are humans at the end of every interaction. So that was my move to healthcare. I went from there to found a company that was working with skilled nursing facilities on the talent shortage of CNAs and medical assistants. 
in that space. And that company is a growth stage company. It powers the training for Red Cross, a bunch of large organizations around CNA training, really hoping with that company to make a a large impact both on workforce development, getting people into living wage jobs, but then also to ensure that the people that get trained provide quality of care to older adults. And that deep dive into the older adult space really laid the framework and the foundation for starting Trusty, which we started in about 2018. So I'm happy to get into if you want. That sort of the meandering, circuitous route to get to where I am today was really just a pathway of discovery, of looking at different problems and saying, you know, how can we really provide solutions for this problem that have a meaningful revenue stream attached to them so that they can be sustainable and grow and change people's lives along the way? Well, thank you for that, Joe. And there's so much to unpack there and really appreciate that deep dive and that journey that you were on. I do want to stay in the past on some of those exits that you had before we dive into trusty, because I think it's an important topic. And the reason why I want to kind of pick on that a bit is so many entrepreneurs start companies and their big dream is I'm going to exit one day. I'm going to sell my startup. And that's great. And that should be motivating. Then they don't have it, you know, necessarily think, oh, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. You've exited twice now. What continues to keep you motivated to continue to build to continue to bring new innovative ways, technologies, and processes to the marketplace, even after multiple exits? One of my mentors over the course of the last uh, seven years or so is a woman named Esther Dyson, which a lot of people are familiar with her. And oh, I sat yeah. down with her a couple of years ago, and she said to me, I'm really tired of people referring to themselves as entrepreneurs. She's like, I just want to know what problem are you trying to solve? What are you working on? And it really deeply resonated for me. So for me, the exits are important because, you know, you have to have a financial model to support these entities or you're not going to be able to get the funding you need. You're not going to be able to ensure that the business will be sustainable and move on past you. But what drives me is more than anything is how can I work on solving big problems? And there are definitely enough big problems that still exist in the world that I haven't gotten bored from solving big problems. I unfortunately think that I'm the person that, you know, at 80 will still be trying to get out there and look for the next problem to solve. The motivation for me after multiple exits is, is not uh, financial. It's really like, what can we do to improve this world? Great, great feedback, great perspective. And Yes, many of us are fans and friends of Esther Dyson. I know myself, I've spent time with her and just every time one gets to sit with Esther, you walk away like, wow, what a powerful woman and just incredible insights that she has and is able to offer leaders like yourself. Well, Joe, thank you so much for sharing that perspective and uh, time that you spent with Esther. She is an incredible woman and uh, also a big fan of hers. I've also had the opportunity to sit down and learn from her. She is a force of nature and always something to learn from when spending time with Esther. So thank you for sharing that, Joe. Let's start now diving into trust. You guys have now been at it for almost three years. Obviously, as you mentioned, you've had some deep dives in regards to older care and what that looks like. So start giving us that perspective of how Trusty came to be and uh, we'll take it from there. Trusty was really burst out of a time period where I had been doing a lot of research into how older adults were dealing with out-of-pocket healthcare costs. So there's 
a lot of misconceptions about the older adult space. I think a lot of people assume that once somebody ages into retirement, they get on Medicare and things are sort of covered. But the longer time I spent in the nursing home space, the more I was seeing across the country from rural Kentucky to California, it didn't matter where we were, that older adults were facing some real financial struggles because of their out-of-pocket healthcare costs. So we decided to do a deep dive and really look at what was going on. And a lot of surprising things that we learned during that time, you know, healthcare costs are your second largest expense during retirement. And that's when you have insurance. So that was the thing that was really surprising for us. And so we started the company really looking at that large problem set and saying, is there something that we could actually do that some lever we could pull that could actually make an impact in this particular area, provide more financial stability for older adults with the caveat that in healthcare, you also need to find who is going to care enough about solving that problem to actually pay to solve the problem. And it's quite difficult. And I feel like a lot of startups miss that final point. So we spent a good year and a half really testing out in different markets, the go-to-market strategy and looking at where we're going to really be able to have that fit between both product and somebody who would purchase and care. But I think we've really gotten there. And of course, there's a lot of personal stories about why I care about this particular area. But the underlying business reason was after like talking about a thousand older adults and their families and, and really seeing that this was a problem that needed to be worked on. And can we go there for a moment? Maybe you can share one of those personal stories. And that's why I just love learning from you and spending time with you because you bring the personal side to it. You bring the realness of the problems at hand instead of just pitching the you know features and benefits of what you're building. You really bring that authenticity. So Joe, can you maybe share one of those personal stories for us? Yeah, I'll share a story that's personal and that's like happening even in our, my current life. My wife, we've been together for about five years. She has got a PhD in biology. She's a researcher. She's a professor. One of the smartest people that I have ever met. She wakes up at 5 a.m. and has every 15 minutes of her day allocated specifically for specific tasks. And they're like study philosophy, study history very organized person. She also grew up incredibly poor, like poverty that you can't even begin to relate to, or I can't relate to, let's say, uh, often without running water in an area of the country that was just entrenched poverty. Her first jobs were truck driver, prison guard, CNA in a hospital. She did everything she could to pull herself out of that space and to go back to college. So you have this person who's a combination of both scrappy and also really smart and super organized. And my wife is also transgender. For the past two years, she's been working on trying to get one of her gender affirmation surgeries. And it took about four appeals, a law firm, probably 20 healthcare professionals, and over 500 hours of her time to be able to navigate the system to get this surgery approved. And it's a surgery that she needs to be able to address her dysphoria. And when I look at that, I look at a person, and I think if a person like her is struggling and is almost broken to the point where they're like, I'm just going to give up, sort of what hope do the rest of us have of being able to navigate these systems and 
piece together all the different parts to be able to get the care that we need. And I don't look at this as one member, like one stakeholder in the healthcare system being bad. It's just a lot of miscommunication and poor data sharing between lots of different entities that gets placed as a burden on the consumer to try to piece together with limited information. It's not that I think that there's any group needs to be vilified in the healthcare space. It's more that the end result for a consumer is just makes it tremendously difficult to get the care that you need. And then we see that just as much with older adults. They get on some kind of insurance without really understanding, hey, I'm taking these medications or I have the potential for getting this kind of condition based on my medical history. And so they're not making choices that result in them being able to get the care they need because they don't really have the right information at the right time to be able to make those decisions. And most people don't have the wherewithal, like my wife, to be able to push through all of those obstacles and get the care that you need. And so the end result is just people end up taking on a lot of the expenses themselves or not getting the care that they're supposed to get. So like 25% of older adults don't take the medications that they're supposed to be taking because they believe they can't afford them, when the reality is that there's lots of different ways for them to be able to afford those medications. They just don't know that those different benefits are out there for them. It's really looking at that that is the core of what we're working on at Trusty. Well, and to add to that as well, Joe, your wife has a spouse that is very knowledgeable of the system. You've been entrenched in it for a long time. You're very literate of how all of these things work and don't work. Imagine your wife not having a spouse as knowledgeable as you, and you still had all of those difficulties. So thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to add to that because it is so true for so many of our fellow Americans of how difficult the system is. So thank you for sharing that real true story that's personal to you and your family, Joe. So let's also talk about trustee in the time of the pandemic. Here we are, you know, coming into fall of 2020, right in the thick of COVID-19. And what I love about some innovators around the country, just like yourself, they're taking either part or some or all of their business plan or model or company and pivoting it towards solving and being part of the problem in, you know, getting over this pandemic. What have you guys done at Trustee to address COVID-19? What are some of the highlights there? We, with a partner, formed an entity that is working specifically on issues related to COVID-19 for older adults. That entity is called Bell Age, and Trustee is a co-owner of that entity. And what the product we've released is doing is it helps the states as they're trying to move through reopening to provide services and understand where their hotspots, specifically within the older adult community and the chronically ill communities. So those are the areas that are going to be the most at risk for those states. And so what we looked at was tying together the need of the state with the needs of that community. And we're getting widespread adoption. We launched the product first in Florida. And within a week, I think we had 10,000 users within the system. It's really taken off. And the thing that has been beneficial for trusting that is it's giving us a window into understanding different types of needs of older adults that we're feeding back into our core products to help inform the business that we're growing. And we're really 
hopeful that it will provide older adults with the information they need to make sure that they're getting the right kind of information for them specifically to be able to navigate their risks around COVID-19. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. And in a bit, I'm going to ask you where we could find some of these you know, opportunities for our community to engage online or touch points with social media or otherwise. So we'll make sure to highlight that in just a moment. But let's also now continue to look maybe a little future state here. Where do you see things you know, in the next six, nine, 12, 18 months for you, for trustee, for your efforts, even around COVID-19? I typically ask our guests to give me a crystal ball view in the next three to five years, but we don't even know what next week looks like right now. So maybe you can share with us from your perspective, what's on the horizon for the next six, nine, 12, 18 months, and what are some of the things we should be mindful of? Yeah, we've got a really tight focus for the next, I would say the next year, but three, three, six, nine months. So the product we ended up building out is a dual facing product that has a consumer facing side and then a health insurance broker upline and carrier facing side. And on the insurance side, we are improving efficiencies from the carrier all the way down to the individual street broker to make sure that older adults are getting into the right plan and are accessing all of the benefits of that plan. The thing that we're really excited about, so that's the next three to six months. We have most of the components built out for the brokers and their uplines. And by the end of this year, we should have about 15,000 brokers in our system that are using the product to be able to manage their business. But the exciting thing for us, which is where we'll be with nine months from now, is those 15,000 brokers give us access to touching the lives of about a million older adults. And that's where things get really fun for me and fun for the team. On the consumer side of the product, we are building out a system that helps that older adult to identify plan benefits, utilize that plan in the right way to get clear information about how that plan works. But most excitingly, to be a distribution channel for all the older adult companies and products that are trying to reach older adults but are really struggling with their go-to-market strategy. So we look at this as a way to bring in all of this innovation that's happening in the older adult space to that community in a targeted way. That our core focus right now is brokers, the uplines, and then bringing the carriers into the product line with nine months from now, really expanding out that consumer side of the product to be able to provide more support systems for them. Very exciting. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. Really do appreciate it. So let's now maybe flip the script a bit here. You guys are bringing such great innovations and solutions to the marketplace to help so many older adults around the country, but maybe we can help you out. What is one problem, need, or question that you have or your team has that we in our community here at Passionate Pioneers can contemplate or help you with? Yeah, we have a very specific ask. So we are onboarding payers into our system to be able to allow our brokers and their uplines to directly enroll people digitally into their product lines. And we are looking for payers both on the MA side, so Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplemental Plans, and PDP plans that would be interested in participating in being the first adopters of this direct enrollment tool with a super admin function for them to be able to manage all of their downlines and the brokers. Perfect. I love it. Crystal clear ask, and uh, we'll make sure our community is uh, well-informed on the things that you're looking for and how we can be helping you out. 
Uh, so with that, Joe, where can we find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? Where can we point our community to get in contact with you? Yes, our website is trustee.care, as simple as that. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Joe Schneier uh, is my Twitter handle. It's Joe with just J-O-S-C-H-N-E-I-E-R is the last name. And Trustee Care's uh, Twitter is Trustee Care with no dot, just Trustee Care. Those are the two main places to find us. Always open for people to send me a direct email. Again, it's joe at trustee.care, uh, J-O at trustee.care. Easy enough. And we'll also leave all those contact points over at uh, our free global online community, passionatepioneers.com, as well as you can find them in the episode notes. So if you're listening from your favorite podcast player, simply scroll down and you'll see those links within the episode notes. So thank you for sharing all of that, Joe. Do appreciate it. Well, let's close it down. This is one of my favorite parts. It's a fill in the blank and then we'll say our goodbyes. I'm a passionate pioneer because... I'm a passionate pioneer because I believe no American should go through bankruptcy because of -of out-of-pocket healthcare expenses. And I want to be a part of making that change. I love it. You're not only a part of making the change and want to be a part of it, you are doing it. Big fan of yours, Joe. The, The things that you work on, the things that you dedicate yourself to is always inspiring. And I'm so fortunate to be able to spend time with you on the podcast today. So thank you for making a pit stop being with us today. And I know how busy you are. So we'll get you back to all the incredible work and mission that you and the team are on. But again, thank you for your time today, Joe. We look forward to continuing to follow your journey and being of help to you and the community that you're helping lead. Thank you, Joe, so much. Well, thank you guys. It's great to speak this morning. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.